0: Well, hey, what's up, Miles City family online? So glad that you are joining with us today. And man, this is a place where we come and we regather and we recharge, refocus as we move towards God. And whether you've been following Jesus for years or you've been following Jesus for weeks, I'm just so glad that you're joining here with us. Maybe some of you are out of town. Maybe some of you are sick or maybe some of you are just avoiding crowds right now. We're just glad that you're joining with us here online. And, uh, you know, by this time, as you're listening, I'm thinking that uh, you probably got your Christmas tree up by now, and uh, just maybe just shout out wherever you're at, if you're more of a real kind of person or a fake kind of person. And for those of you that just said that you're a fake kind of person, well, thanks for your transparency and your vulnerability, okay? Uh, Dumb joke, but moving on. But you know what I'm trying to say. Well, speaking of trees, okay, if we can just talk about trees for a second. My mom and dad have this uh, Christmas tree farm uh, over at Three Cedars Farm, and they sell Christmas trees. And this year, this has been what I think we'll look back on as the Christmas tree debacle. Okay, there is a shortage of Christmas trees, if you didn't know, when it comes to a real tree. And uh, you can only get four to six footers. And so my dad kind of forecasted that this was going to happen this year. And so this summer he went down to North Carolina, found a local tree farmer because we normally get our trees from up north, and thought everything would be okay. Well, sure enough, they struggled with that as well down in North Carolina. And so the uh, the farmer there said, "I can send you you know five to six footers, but then you got to jump to thirteen footers." And my dad says, "All right, just go ahead and bring them up." Now listen, we've sold twelve to thirteen footer trees before in the past. Okay, it's not that big of a deal. But when this semi truck pulled up. I'm telling you what, when this semi-truck pulled up the day after Thanksgiving, I was completely speechless. I mean, I could not even believe what I was seeing. And before I show you, before I show you the picture of these trees, the truck driver of the Christmas trees, got out of his truck from North Carolina. His name was Marty. And this is what Marty said. Marty says, I've been delivering Christmas trees for 30 years. I ain't delivering you no dying Christmas trees. I'm delivering you some dang logs. This is, li- these, look at these things. This is the trees that were literally delivered, that people are literally going to take these trees and then put them into their houses, okay? I mean, it took, I mean, we, we tried with three of us to lift this thing. Not happening. Not going to happen. So much so, so I'm talking to my dad. I said, Dad, you got to send these suckers back. And so my dad's like, well, they're already here. I've already paid for them. There's really nothing I can do. They're not going to take them back. And so here's, here's what we had to do. You just go, you'll see, here's my dad there with the tractor. The tractor was even <laughs> struggling. I mean, I, I mean... This was like, there's Joe there. I mean, one of these actually flew off on Joe, knocked him down. He's got a bruise on his chest to to just show for it. Just literally unbelievable. And I tell you all this because in the midst of all this, I felt so, we were laughing, but then I felt so bad for my dad because of all the work that he did to get this. And then, and even in the midst of that, you would think my dad would have lost his patience and lost his self-control, but he he did handle himself with a driver and when he was talking to the local farmer there in North Carolina. But then we opened... Then it's opening, we get all the trees set, and here come these folks that always come to 3 Cedars to get their big tree. And when they showed up, they saw these massive 13 to 12-footer trees with the stumps. I mean, just, I mean, unbelievable. And let's just say that the patience and the self-control with these couples went literally Right out the window. I mean, the self-control of these spouses that wanted their big tree, and there's no way that I'm going to have a little five-foot tree in my house with my big cathedral ceilings. I need the big tree. Uh, they wanted what they wanted, and they wanted what they wanted right now. Okay, but then the other spouse is losing patience, saying, "Listen, honey, there's no way we're going to get this stinking tree in the house. I mean, how are we going to do this? We don't have a stand for this." And you could just see them just fuming. But they just would, and just you were, I was just sitting there, just watching. It was like Jerry Springer, right? in front of me. I had the whole show just, I mean, you would not believe what was going on. And so no joke, there I am with the tractor, hoisting these massive trees on over $100,000 SUVs. And I'm saying, listen, I'm not responsible for whatever happens when I drop this thing on your car. And I just can imagine that when they got home, like they don't have a forklift at their house. Can you imagine the self-control and the patience that did not exist when they're trying to wrestle these massive trees into their house? I tell you all that to say today, as we continue in our redecorate series, we're going to be asking ourselves the question of how do we maintain patience and self-control when it comes to our lives? Or better yet, how do we have the attitude of patience and self-control? That's going to be our focus as as we continue in this redecorate series, where we're talking about what does it look like in our lives that maybe we need to rearrange or redecorate when it comes to the virtues and the attitudes that come into our lives. And and the idea of, of the importance of redecorating. But you might be wondering, well, what do you redecorate with? And I'm so glad you asked that question. Because for those of you that are listening, some of you know this and some of you don't know this. You have access to something so powerful. And my hope is that even today, you would grab hold of the access of what this is. But some of you listening, you know this. But God, the creator of the universe, he loves you so much and wants a real relationship with you. But because of your mistakes, because of your flaws, because of your error, because of your sin, it separated you from God. So God knew that. So that's why we have Christmas. That's why he sent Jesus here on this earth. And he lived the perfect life. But then The manger, after the manger, not too far away from that was the cross. And Jesus died on a cross. Then he rose again three days later. And he did that to cancel out the penalty of our sin so that we wouldn't be separated from him. That we could have a real relationship with him that would last forever. And we, we can't earn that. We can't do anything except through our belief. And the scriptures say that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you will be saved. And the moment that you're saved, you are given the ultimate gift you're given the gift of the Holy Spirit that literally comes and takes residence inside your life. And then that spirit inside of your life starts to transform you from the inside out. And that is where we have this idea called the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit begins to come out of our lives. Here's what the fruit of the spirit is. We find this in Galatians chapter five. Paul tells us this. He says, but the fruit of the spirit The fruit of the Spirit, what is it? It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This is to keep in step so all of us have a choice. When we have the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of us, every day we have a choice. We're either going to live by the works of the flesh or to tap in and to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit and the fruit that that Spirit brings. And we are being reminded of is that in order to truly redecorate, it can't just be in our actions. It has to start from the Spirit working inside of us, redecorating our attitudes. Because actions without an attitude change can just lead to hypocrisy. Let me say that again. Actions without an attitude change can just lead to hypocrisy. So when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, there are nine specific fruit of the Spirit that we see, nine different attitudes of the Spirit that can come out of us. And so what we've been doing is we've been looking at different characters in the Christmas story that demonstrated these specific attitudes, these specific fruits out of their lives. And so last week, Barry did a great job of talking to us about the fruit of the spirit of goodness and he, he used Joseph as the example of how Joseph uh, demonstrated the fruit of the spirit of goodness after he heard the crazy story of his wife being pregnant by an angel. But even in the midst of that, he maintained a spirit of goodness when it came to his relationship with Mary. And then we, we he talked about the fruit of the spirit of gentleness and how we saw Mary exercise this attitude in her life by after she got the news from the angel that she was going to have a baby, the son of God, she she laid down her rights and what she wanted in her way and laid in and, lean, and was leaning into the will of the Father instead of her right, instead of her will of what she wanted. And so today, what we're going to dive into is we're going to dive into the two other fruit of the Spirit. We're going to dive into the fruit of patience and then the fruit of self-control. The fruit of patience and the fruit of self-control. And we're going to look at two characters that a lot of times... Are looked over or are forgotten. Uh, They're they're characters that aren't highlighted often in the Christmas story. And it takes sometimes just skimming through the book of Luke chapter 2 and then they'll pop out in front of our face. And so we're going to look at these two characters, look at patience, look at self-control in our lives. But before we do, I just want to pray for you and pray for me and then we'll dive into this. Father, thank you so much for who you are and for what you're doing. Help us to Um, pay attention and to be alert for what you would have for us today when it comes to your word. May it pop off the pages. Help us not to miss it. I pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. So if you have a copy of the scripture, I want you to just open it up to the book of Luke. The book of Luke is in the third. Is the third book in the New Testament? You got Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're going to be at Luke chapter two, Luke chapter two, starting in verse twenty-two. And let me give you the context. Jesus had already been born, and this is forty days after. This is around the forty-day period after he was born. Mary and Joseph are taking the baby to the temple for a purification ceremony that had to be done for Mary and for Jesus because of Levitical law. And so this is where the story picks up. And so I hope you're ready. Just repeat after me. God's word, say that with me. God's word is alive and living and a light for my path. God's word is alive and living and a light unto my path. And so here's where the story picks up. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. It says... And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, like I already told you, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree the most annoying Christmas song in my opinion ever to exist. But uh, where do we get this two, these two turtle doves? So in the Levitical law, uh, you would have to when you'd have a baby, you would make this sacrifice with a lamb and a dove. But if you weren't rich enough and you couldn't get a lamb, then they would accept two turtle doves. and so that's where the two turtle doves come from. And so they're on their way. Mary Joseph, And the baby, Jesus, are on their way to the temple. Meanwhile, here's where we're introduced to this new character uh, that we're going to introduce today. It says this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for consolation of Israel, waiting for the redemption of Israel, healing for Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. This is the first time that we hear about Simeon. And this is the last time that we're going to hear about Simeon. Luke doesn't give a ton of detail about about who he is. But he does give some detail that he wants us all to know. And one of those specific details was the fruit of patience that was coming out of Simeon, a devout, righteous man who had patience. We are not sure exactly when, but at one point in his life, there God told him that he was going to be able to see with his own eyes the coming Messiah, the promised one, the savior of the world, Jesus. And he was waiting for that day to happen. And God promised him that that day would happen. And then we're not sure exactly how long the gap was from this time until when, when God gave him that promise, My guess is is that it was probably a lot longer than Simeon wanted. Because in my life, and I don't know if you can relate, but a lot of times God's timing is not my timing. And I want it a lot faster than when God is actually going to provide the thing that we're talking about or what we're looking for. And so, uh, so then it says this. So then it says that he came in the spirit into the temple. Or in other words, the Spirit of the Living God told Simeon to go to the temple. And then right after he's told him to go into the temple, the text is Kyla kind of Silent, and we're not quite sure how this played out. But if you gotta imagine, even with the story as we continue to read, it says that when Simeon went to the temple, we're not sure if Mary and Joseph and Jesus were there yet, okay? So imagine the Spirit is telling him he's been waiting maybe for years for the promised one to finally come. And and, and he shows up to the temple and he's looking around and he's like, okay, the Spirit told me to come here, but, but, but now what? Because I don't see Mary. I don't see Joseph. I don't see this coming Messiah. He's probably in his mind maybe starting to lose potentially a little bit of patience. God, I've been waiting for this. Where are you? And maybe for some of you that might sound familiar. God maybe have told, has told you to respond in a specific way, but you're not seeing the fruit. Or maybe God has is, is taken you to a place to when you get there, he hasn't shown off yet, and you're left asking the questions of, why God, where God, what now, God? And for some of you, that's where you're at today as you're listening. That's where you're at. You're just waiting on something. You're waiting on God's timing for something, and it's taken too stinking long. And if that's you today, I just want to remind you that the enemy in this moment of waiting will try to convince you that your God has left you, that your God has abandoned you, and that your God has forsaken you. And we're here to remind you today through God's word and scripture that that's a flat-out lie. It reminds me of Hosea eleven eighteen, where it says that, how can I give you up? How can I hand you over? My compassion overflows for you. And be encouraged by that, that God's compassion overflows for you. And even in the difficulty, and even how difficult it is to be patient as you wait for it, God's timing is better, and it's building a reliance and a dependence upon him. And so don't give up. Persevere and know that his timing and that, and that his way is best. So then it continues. It says that as he goes to the temple, then it says that then the parents arrived, and the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms, and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. It's like... Man, I could drop over dead right now because I'm finally seeing it. You finally, the promise has finally come according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. He's finally seeing this. He's finally seeing the coming Messiah. It's got to be such an overwhelming experience for him. It continues. He says, it's the light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was being said about him. And then Simeon said this, he blessed him and he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And what this reminds us of in that last section of so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed is that Jesus and the spirit of Jesus, what does it do? It reveals the true colors of people. It reveals the true colors of people. And so not only do we have to exercise patience when it comes to God's plans, but we also have to redecorate and exercise patience when it comes to dealing with people. When it comes to dealing with people, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Dealing with people and having patience with people is the idea to put up with people when it's not easy to do. It's the idea of not being easily offended. And so here's a couple questions I want us to wrestle with right now. When it comes to being patient and having the attitude of patience, the spirit of patience coming out of us. When it comes to people, how easily offended are you these days? Like seriously, like how easily are you offended? Are you triggered these days when it comes to people and your patience? Or how much are you willing to put up with people? I mean, have you just had enough and your patience has just grown thin and you're just like, I can't put up with it anymore. What does that look like for you when you think about people in your life? And as I prepared this talk, this week, all I could think about is those of you in relationships with a significant other, those of you that are dating, or those of you that are married. And I know that some of you watching, if you're honest, you're done. You've completely checked out and you're not putting up with it anymore. And if you're honest, your marriage is only hanging on because of the kids. And if the kids weren't involved, you'd be long gone. I don't know what it is for you. But today, as you're listening not by accident, you need to be reminded of God's truth. That when it comes to marriage, we are called. We've made a covenant between God and one another to put up with one another. Jen has to put up a lot with me, and I've got to put up a lot with her. That's just part of it. And we're called not to give up. We are called to literally lay down our sword and fight, which I know seems counterintuitive, but that is what God has modeled for us. God has modeled that for us in our lives. And for all you men that are watching, listen, we need to be leaders in that. We need to be leaders in our patience, to have a 30,000-foot view and to literally ask ourselves, where do I need to check my heart when it comes to my patience? With my significant other, with my spouse? Where 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 do I need to, to 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 not be so easily offended or triggered? Or where do I need to kind of put up with something a little more to keep fighting? Where does that look like for me? And I know that there might be some situations where look at where you can only put up with so much. And in scriptures, there are biblical grounds for divorce, and you know. Where those lines have been crossed or if they haven't been crossed. And so sometimes that means that there has to be a separation. But if those biblical lines haven't been crossed, then hear God's word and truth today that he hates divorce and you are called, you've made a covenant to stay in there and fight even when you don't want to. Even when you're just like, forget it. I can't handle this anymore. Even when you feel like this counseling session isn't working. Keep going. Keep fighting through it. It's worth it. And that is what God has called you to do. To put up with it. Maybe it's not a marriage. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's with your mom or dad. I don't know who it's with. Where you're just being so irritated where you just don't want to put up with it anymore. And when you start having those thoughts... This is what triggered me this week. When you start having thoughts of, I just don't want to put up with that anymore. Be reminded of how much God puts up with you. How much has God put up with you and how, patience, how much patience he has had with you and with me before we're so quick to be like, ah, forget it, forget it. How easily offended are you these days? How much are you willing to put up with people? The story continues. So as they're in the temple and they're going through the purification system with Jesus and Simeon does the prayer and the song over Mary and Joseph and Jesus, then it says there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. Now, we don't know. If she was a widow for 84 years, or if she's 84 years old, or maybe she's 105 years old, we don't know. All that we know is that she's old. And that for a long period of time, she practiced self-control as a widow. That the fruit of self-control was coming out of her to be a widow. And we know this because it takes a lot to get to become a prophetess. I mean, for her to have the discipline and the prophetess is showing us that for those long years of being a widow, she strived to make God her singular focus. She strived and focused on self-discipline to stay a widow and to become a prophet like she was, that Anna was. Now, we don't know how strong her desire was to have a companion. I mean, she was married before. We can only speculate, but let's just imagine it was difficult for her. She spent her years focusing on the fruit of self-control to maintain her widowness, to to, to maintain what it looked like for her to be a widow and to be a, a prophet. And it makes me just want to stop for a moment and talk to all of you in the room that are single, whether you're old or whether you're young. And first thing I want to say is this. I have no idea what that feels like. I've been with my sweetheart, Jen, for since I was 16, and I'm not gonna claim to know how that feels. But many of you have told me how it feels, and the pain of how that feels, and the struggle of how that feels, and the loneliness of how that feels. But what I want to encourage you with is this little story in the midst of the Christmas story that sometimes is hidden with the prophetess Anna that even like using her example to encourage you to stay the course to practice the fruit of self-control, to to, to strive for that, to, to, to not compromise in your purity and in your thought life and in your actions and to take your thoughts and move your heart to a singular focus on God, trusting that he is preparing and building your heart to maybe connect you with the heart that he may want to connect you with if that is in his will. But I know for some of you right now in the midst of your singleness, you've just had enough. And you're tired and you're growing weary and you're thinking, you know what? Maybe even today, this week, you have considered compromising or settling with your standard of what you've been wanting. Don't compromise. Don't settle. It's worth having that self-control and practicing that and trusting God for that outcome. So then it says Anna, after, you know, she's 84, then says that she did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and praying night and day. And coming up at the very hour, it says that she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. She was so excited by the coming of the Messiah that she couldn't keep her mouth shut and she was telling everyone about it. Now it says that she did not depart from the temple. So what does that mean? Does that mean that, hey, you're supposed to come to Miles City Church, grab a cot, grab a sleeping bag and never leave here? You know, most scholars believe that's not what, that, what, what this was saying. There's different Greek words for the word temple, okay? So there's the Greek word that talks about the temple sanctuary, like the room that you come in to worship God. This word right here was for the temple courts. So It's the vicinity of the temple. And So most scholars believe that Anna wasn't living in the temple. Uh, Levitical law wouldn't even allow that to happen. But she was in the vicinity, and whenever there was something going on, she was there, and she was ready. But it also shows that she was worshiping and she was fasting by praying and fasting day and night. Reminding us that when it comes to practicing the fruit of self-control in our lives, to let that come out of our lives, that one of the great arts that has been lost in our day is the art of fasting. And what fasting can do to help build our self-control in a specific area of our lives. Fasting is an act of worship that helps us practice that spirit of self-control. Fasting is to abstain a physical desire for for a moment to obtain a spiritual desire or one of the ways I like to say it is this. Fasting is cutting something out, literally cutting something out for a season with a spirit-led reason. It's, it's Fasting is cutting something out for a season with a spirit-led reason. Not just a flip and like, yeah, I'm just going to do this just to do this. No, it's having the spirit inside of you leads you to say, you know what, I'm going to cut this out for a season to, 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 to adjust and to, and to adjust my heart and my focus upon you. And like I was saying, a lot of times we've lost this art because... I think in our context, in our day-to-day, we want to run away from legalistic-type thinking. But just be reminded, legalism is committing to something you feel forced to. Discipline is committing to something you feel drawn to. Legalism is committing to something you feel forced to. Discipline is committing to something you feel drawn to. And so, here's a question. When was the last time you fasted? You fasted from food, that's a normal thing. You fasted from a specific item of food. You, you, you fasted from a specific habit. Maybe it's gaming, your video games, or your TV, your hobbies. What is it for you that maybe uh, you could fast to help kind of create a self-discipline that you know that, or a, or a self-control that you know that you need to have in your life? Um, seven months ago, I was on our staff retreat and uh, we were having our closing moment and we were kind of burning things in the fire that we wanted to get rid of. And for me, uh, that was having a period of time where I got rid of my Instagram. Uh, my Instagram was just becoming a distraction for me with my mind and the comparison game. And, you know, you'd innocently go on there just to check something for a minute. And then 10 minutes went by and you're like, what a waste of my time. And, and, and it was just becoming something that, that I just didn't feel like was healthy for me. And so I remember that first month. This was seven months ago where I would grab my phone and I would I, I would go to grab my phone and, and I would, out of habit, click that Instagram app and then I replaced it with my Bible app and that season of, okay, I'd go for that, but I'd say no and then I'd feed on God's word instead of feeding on Instagram. And the space and the uh, what that did for me was so huge. And now here I am seven months later, I still don't have it. I only use it to post. Things for the church, and whenever I do, I say, Jen, download it, and she's with me, and then I post it and then we move on and she takes it off my phone and that's just been huge for me. Fasting is cutting something out for a season with a spirit-led reason so that you can maintain and develop more of an attitude of self-control where you might need to have more self-control and so what does that look like for you? Where might the fruit of the spirit of self-control be moving you to fasten so Let's kind of wrap this up. Here's some questions I want to leave you with today. When it comes to your life, when it comes to redecorating your life with the fruit of patience and the fruit of self-control, where do you need to exercise the attitude of patience when it comes to God's plans or people in your life? What does that look like for you? Or second, where in your life could you use a boost of self-control? What would that be for you? Where is something in your life where you could use a boost of self-control? And then lastly, what is God asking you to fast? Is there something already that God said, you know, I, I, to help me boost this self-control area in my life, I know I need to just say no to this first season because the spirit is leading me to do this. What does that look like for you as we redecorate the attitude of patience and self-control in our lives? Now, closing thought. When we think about the whole idea of the fruit of the Spirit living inside of us, again, as we said earlier, maybe some of you, you have never received Jesus as your Savior. You've never received the gift of the fruit of the Spirit. You've never been able to tap into that power. It's it, it, You can't unless you receive the Spirit inside of you. And for so long, if you're honest, man, you have been running from God. I mean, you've been literally pushing him out. Maybe he's in your mind, but you've never confessed him with your mouth and received him into your heart. And you realize, man, God has been patient with me. God has been putting up with me for so long. And you recognize that today. And maybe God's humbling you right now to say enough's enough. Enough enough. I'm not gonna have you put up with me anymore of me running away from you. Today's the day that, that I, wanna, I wanna surrender and I want to receive the fruit of your spirit in my life so that I can begin to redecorate my life. And so if that's you and you've never done that, then man, do it now, do it now. So just wherever you're at, just close your eyes, bow your head. I'm gonna lead you through a prayer. You can make this your own. Just say, Father, I wanna redecorate my life with you. Just say that. I want to redecorate my life with you. I have, you've been putting up with me for a long time. And then just say this. Thank you for your patience with me. Just thank him for that. Thank you for your patience with me. You've been so patient with me, waiting for me. But no more running. And so right now, I believe. I believe in you, Jesus, that you are God. Tell him that. I believe that you are God then just confess, I'm a sinner. I know it. I have wronged. I have error. I have mistake. But because you died for me and because you rose again for me, my sin can be paid for. And I just want to thank you for that. And then right now, just say this. Right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. If you prayed that, if you truly meant that as we continue to pray, the scriptures are so clear that you will no longer perish, but you will now have everlasting life. And the gift of the fruit of the Spirit is now living inside of you, and now you can learn to tap into it. Father, thank you for the fruit of the Spirit living inside of us. Forgive us. Forgive us when we just go off of our flesh instead of your spirit. Give us the courage. Give us the, the the wisdom and the discipline to be men and women that are exercising the attitude of patience and the attitude of self-control in our lives, how we interact with you and how we interact with others. We love you and we pray this in the power of your son's the name, Jesus. Amen. So, hey, for those of you that meant that and receive Jesus into your life, I really want to encourage you, please don't walk alone. You might have questions. If you do, it makes sense. You should. You can just text the word Miles City and we will get up with you and we will answer any questions you have and celebrate with you. But before you go off and, you know, decorate your house a little more for Christmas or eat lunch or whatever you're going to do, the band's going to play a song about courage and about God's timing and waiting in God's timing and as they do I just we're going to put these questions back up and just I want you to just reflect on these questions and take it seriously like don't waste this I mean you listen to this whole thing anyway so you might as well do something with it right so seriously like what does it look like for you to fast where do you need to boost self-control and where do you need to exercise patience either with God's plan or a specific person in your life May the fruit of the Spirit just thrive out of our lives from the inside.
1: Never fail me. steadfast my soul he's in the waiting he's in the waiting hold on to your rope as your triumph unfolds he's never failed